Welcome to Leveling Up, a noob's quest to get good. This is a gaming history and interview podcast where each week we take a new game and discuss its history. As well as look at it from the perspective of someone who hasn't played a lot of games. I'm Joe, your resident gaming historian. And it's me, Tina! Welcome to the show. episode of leveling up a news quest to get good i'm a little tired apologies uh we're recording this real late at night it's gonna be wild i was a little behind on completing the game this week so it's fine this this is a monumentous occasion this is the first game i've completed before joseph it's a big fucking deal everyone yup Hey, 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 Tina, though, what is the game? The game that I beat before Joseph was Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Hell yeah. We back in that JRPG, boys. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tina, how would you describe this game to someone? And it went a lot better this time. Sorry. I I had to get that out. It's not going to be, this isn't going to be nearly as negative as the Pokemon episode was. I'm so here for it. Uh, if you want salt, go go to that episode. This one is just going to be all, not all good feels, but more good feels. More good vibes. Yeah. Anyway, this game is, to use your words, a JRPG where you play as a very flat Mario going around the world, collecting crystal stars to eventually save your princess, as always, Peach. Who has been kidnapped and taken to the moon? Yeah. To prevent a demon from being released, but also to kind of release the demon. It's well, you gotta release the demon to reseal the demon, mm-hmm, which doesn't make a ton of sense to me personally. But I mean, it's fine. I mean, to be fair, Mario wasn't planning on re-releasing it, <laughs> but we'll get there. We'll get there. The story's buck wild. Not as buck wild as some other stories I may mention, but it is pretty buck wild. Okay, I mean, last week we did Bayonetta, so it's hard to compare. But for a Mario game, this is pretty buck wild. It's very true. The uh, the Mario RPGs are generally buck wild. You know, like that one time that Mario and Luigi literally went inside of Bowser. Yes, yes, that one. So, Tina, what are your general impressions of this game? In case you couldn't tell, I was extremely hesitant to play this game. <laughs> I pushed this off for as long as I possibly could, to a ridiculous degree, but I'm happy that I finally bit the bullet bill and played it. So, not not to, not to downplay the enjoyment, uh, not to go right in with a negative, but Tina, tell me about that tutorial. <laughs> okay, so I played this game in two weeks. I think I was stuck on the... Not stuck. Stuck implies that I could not progress through it. I think I spent about four, three, maybe four days on the tutorial because it really was just like pulling teeth. Yeah. I was getting getting serious Pokemon flashbacks where I would fall asleep 
in the middle of dialogue or in the middle of combat and then totally miss something important that I probably should have been listening to. But Like how to do action I'm, commands. Yes, like how to do action It wasn't all the action commands. It was mostly just the crowd control stuff that's that fair. really boggled my mind for a bit there. That's fair. Because that's 100% where I fell asleep. But I'm very happy to say that the rest of the game was not like that at all. Yes, I... 100% agree. As someone that has played many JRPGs and many video games in general, this is one of the worst, most obnoxious tutorials I have played. It's yeah. so bad. And that's really all there is to say about it. So let's get right into the meat of it. Off that tutorial, let's talk about the combat system and how you felt about it. I want to say this is how menu-based combat should be done, but I have a very limited scope. But in my opinion, this is how menu-based combat should be done. Okay. Because it wasn't just a whole bunch of reading the action commands, even though they were just pressing, like, one of three buttons and swirling a stick around, giving you something to do and something that you had to be precise about really kept you engaged. And I think it was super important to be kept engaged during the combat, since it is such a large portion of the game. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's one thing, it's one thing to have an entertaining story outside the combat which this did as well but if i don't care about more than half of the game or i'm just like slogging through it it's why is it there yeah yeah totally understandable i find it interesting that the action commands i don't find it interesting that the action commands are what kept you engaged like the action commands are fun and i agree that they do a good job it's just like even though you found the combat system engaging, it's still not engaging for the reason the vast majority of JRPG players enjoy JRPG combat, which is the strategic tactical part of it. The idea that you have your set of things that you can do. You have, you know, mm -hmm. usually a fight or a mage, whatever. You know the enemy's weaknesses and you're able to exploit those. How do you feel about, like, that part of this particular game? I feel that the exploiting weaknesses was something that I didn't utilize. I don't think I utilized enough in the beginning, even though Goombella is the first person that you get and her tattle feature is totally free. It just wasn't something I used as much. Maybe, honestly, because the weaknesses weren't hella intuitive like Pokemon's were. Like, oh, yeah, fire and water. Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. But it kind of became inevitable. Like, I had to start using them as mm -hmm. things got harder, and sometimes I didn't use them, and then you die on level 98 twice! We'll get to that, though. <laughs> yes, we'll we will. Yes, we will. Speaking of Goombella and the other partners, how did you feel about the partners, as opposed to in Pokemon, where you had the big party of six different Pokemon that you had to pick from a pool of 150 Pokemon? In this one, you had Mario and one person that you could switch out. Okay, I don't understand why I liked this so much better. It, maybe part of it is the idea of, okay, since you always have all of your people, there's never like, oh, fear of missing out or whatever on all your other guys, and you don't have to split the leveling as much but between so many other sidekicks. Mm -hmm. And then part of me wants to say, oh, well, with, with fewer partners... I felt like I knew their move set better, so I was able to utilize my partners more effectively. Mm -hmm. But then also, like, all of them had so many more attacks than the four that the Pokemon each had. 
And I mean, they didn't. The, they had four. Well, yeah, okay, but the but like Pokemon, like they you repeated some. I mean, sure. You repeated. What do you mean, sure? I mean, you repeated them across types, I guess, like the same type of Pokemon, by which I mean you know, electric fire, whatever, will learn mm-hmm. some of the same moves. But I guess if you mean like overall pool wise, I mean, still no, just because how many Pokemon types there are. But like, I guess I get what you're saying. I mean, I think the issue, I think the main thing is that, like, yes. I, okay, I thought you meant like they have more moves per individual, not as a total pool. No. But I see what you're saying. In total, they have 28 very unique moves. Some mm-hmm. of them have crossover, but not entirely. They're either different types or they're different uh, ranges or different whatever. They are all unique, and you know what each character does, and that, and they're all different and unique, and there isn't a lot of overlap. And I think the ability to know what each character does allows you to fight more effectively and since they had that more limited moves and i could know all of their moves better it allowed me to feel more strategic and to actually plan out what i was doing instead of it feeling like i was just throwing spaghetti at a wall yeah absolutely absolutely i think i think a big problem that pokemon has is that pokemon look unique but pokemon within a typing range have a lot of the same moves, but there's still hundreds of moves. And so com- someone coming in raw to a new Pokemon game without ever having played one before is going to have so much information they need to take in. Especially if you want to get deep into Pokemon strategy, you have to learn what all of the different, uh, you know, abilities do. What is a, a defense? What is special defense? What is agility? What does all this mean? What is it? Well, why is it necessary? Whereas in here, you have health, you have FP, and you have the different moves and their descriptions. That's it. It's much simpler, but at the same time, more unique per per character. Pokemon has both too much variation and not enough variation. Just really just the worst of the worst of all possible worlds. Yes. And also the your enemies in this game, whenever Goombella tattled on them, she gave you three things. She gave you their HP their defense, and their attack. Yep. You didn't have, like, seven different things, like the seven, like you were saying, their defense, their whatever, like those seven different things. Yeah. Like, each Pokemon did. Yes. And all of them were different. Also, your partners weren't just useful in combat. They were useful in traversing the overworld, and also, like, they added so much personality to, like, the story. Yeah. 100% on all of those points. We will expound more on that later, but yes, the partners were great in, like, so many different dimensions, in and out of combat, and as people, almost. Yeah, they're great. I love them all. People. Yeah, well. I get it. uh, Creatures, (laughs) as D&D would put it. (laughs) Uh, How did you feel about the special moves? Uh, The stuff that you could power with your star power? And how did you feel about star power and gaining star power and using star power and that whole extra system on top of the rest of combat. I don't think I realized how valuable it was until I got... Excuse me. Sorry. I don't think I realized how valuable it was until I got, like, my fourth star. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. The, your, your, first, your first move where you regenerate stuff and the Earth Tremor are both fantastic. But 
I think it took me a little bit to actually start to use them. Yeah. I personally think they are, depending on your play style and how good you are, like stylish moves and action commands, they're like just on the edge of too good to too use. Too good to use. Mm-hmm. I didn't use them as much as I know I should have, and I wasn't mm-hmm. good enough at hitting the Earth Tremor action commands to get as much as I could have out of it. The Earth Tremor was... I got sort of consistent at it by the end, but that can be so, so crushing. Yeah. When you miss, like, your second one. Yeah. It was I, rough. I used Art Attack a fair amount. Oh, I feel like I was real bad at that, and I know it was just drawing circles. I used... Uh, 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 what was the final one you got? It was like Explosion or Supernova. Supernova. I used that on the final boss, and I got like all the action commands really good, and then it's like 15 damage. I'm like, wait, wait, really? I did like, I mashed A for like a solid minute, and I did 15 damage? The... (laughs) The last few, I think, really started to hit kind of... Diminishing returns, almost. Except Sweet Feast. Sweet Feast was fantastic. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. But I think specifically Supernova, like, it wasn't worth it. Yeah, not at all. Six star points for 15 damage? No, thank you. Yeah. Uh, How did you feel about the item management? The item management, I... I don't know if I really felt a strong way about it i mean it was kind of just like items in i don't know I, I didn't feel that there was anything super crazy special about it i probably would feel differently if i used st a little more it's fair but i really just stuck to the the ones that gave you 10 hp and then the ones that gave you 10 hp if you died fair enough and the fire flowers i exclusively used healing and fp items i had so many uh, maple supers. So many. And that was about the extent of my item management. <laughs> that, was, that was about the extent of it. I had the one, the, the one, one that thing. I really liked, and that was about it. My, I, my, at the start of every chapter, once I got the book for Zesty, it was five maple supers and five super mushrooms. <laughs> and off I went. I didn't, you know what I didn't like about the items? What's that? Okay, I don't know. I didn't like that there was... The one big mushroom that was like, heal 50 points. And I was like, who has 50 points? Yeah. There wasn't really an in-between. It was 5, 10, 50. I feel like there should have been like a 25 maybe. Or maybe like let the 50 be shared. Maybe. Yeah. You know? I don't know. Yeah. I thought thought that was a little weird too. Mm -hmm. Because who has 50 health? I mean, none of your dudes, but you can if you dump levels into hp i mean you can but like i don't know i don't know that seems super excessive yeah certainly uh i ended the game with 30 hp and that was only because i had i think i had an hp plus badge equipped at the time i think I i think i had 30 as well but it was just yeah i didn't have an hp plus badge yeah um how did you feel about the audience interaction? Partly, you know, gaining the star power by performing cool maneuvers, but also, uh, you know, when the bosses ate the audience, which happened a lot. I was kind of really here for it. I I liked when the bosses ate the audience. I like when the flowers put the audience to sleep. It 
made it feel more 3D. Mm-hmm. Also, the ability to gain star power faster if you perform stylish moves really kind of encouraged you, I think, to get better, you know? Yeah. Like, it really wasn't that hard to release the joystick when the star appeared. Yeah. You know, that's not super hard, but there's always, like, something better you can be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And learning all the timing for all the stylish moves was fun, too. The experimentation, figuring it out. Yeah. I lo- my favorite stylish move was absolutely Coop doing a fucking spin on his back after the shell shot move. That one, yes. Motherfucker really breakdancing over here. <laughs> I did kind of enjoy, though, how the... What is the bomb's name? Uh, Admiral Bobbery. I really liked how the Admiral's stylish move was kind of just a stern look, you know? like I just, mean, yeah. I am an Admiral. You will respect me, sir. Or I will <laughs> I blow you it. up. Again. <laughs> yeah. So, I think we've thoroughly covered the combat system. Let's talk a little more fluff. How did you feel about Rogue Port? And just kind of the world in general. I thought that Rogueport was actually a very good hub. Yeah. Because it was constantly expanding. Mm-hmm. So as you got better, like, the other side of town opened up. And you could beat the guy on the east side of town, too. So you could have access to that. Like, it was getting bigger as you were getting more powerful. But not only does it grow as you get more powerful, but you also discover more things about the areas that you already had access to, you know, as you gain your more friends. So it felt also, it felt wide and also deep. Yeah. I'm curious, did you feel it almost had Metroidvania elements to it? (gasps) What? What? (laughs) Yes, incredibly very much so. Yes, absolutely. I never realized this. I never really thought about this. I played most of Paper Mario uh, TTYD before this. I think I stopped like right before the final boss because I don't know, I sold my Wii or something. Um, and that was years ago. Uh, and I never really thought about it because I wasn't into as Metroidvanias as much at the time, but like, hot damn, this JRPG is a Metroidvania. Yeah. You get new partners, new powers, new upgrades. You get all the curses. You get the hammer and jump upgrades. It's a gash dang Metroidvania up in this shit. And I just, as someone who likes Metroidvania, I really enjoyed seeing that big stone block and then finally be able to hit the big stone block. Yeah. It was very satisfying. Heck yeah, I agree. Uh, Speaking of the more Metroidvania elements, how did you feel about the partners out of combat? So we talked about the partners in combat and how diverse their moveset was. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about it a little bit, but how did you feel about the partners outside of combat? Their uses in the world, not just in combat. I think it was incredibly smart mm-hmm. to do that yeah. because it prevented most i'll say most not all I will also but it, pre- <laughs> it prevented most of the partners from getting lost mm-hmm. and kind of just staying in your inventory yeah you had to kind of keep up with them you had to uh you had to keep switching them out and i also i also like that you didn't have to like be in a certain spot to switch them out like you could do it instantaneously yeah so, like, I could, like, the fact that I liked Flurry's dialogue options, like, I liked her sassy attitude the best, so I walked around with her all the time. But when I needed to pull out the Admiral, like, he was right there in my back pocket. Yeah. 
I walked, I got most of my cutscenes with Yoshi because I just was on Yoshi all the time because he goes fast. I went, I didn't start using the Yoshi to go fast until I went on the side quest for the wizard. Mm -hmm. And I had to traverse. Back through Hooktail's castle again. Well, no, because I was a fucking idiot because I thought it was Twilight Town and not Hooktail's castle at first. Um, cause I'm an absolute moron. Yep. <laughs> so I traversed, I traversed all the way back to the bell tower in... Creepy uh, steeple, yeah. Yeah, the creepy steeple. And then had to sprint all the way back cause I was so done with this. Oh my word. But no, I felt bad, like, just riding your little Yoshi like a horse. This is Mario, at least Mario wasn't punching this one. <laughs> Still... This was the best-treated Yoshi of any Yoshi in the fucking series. Are you kidding me? I mean, yeah. I would have really... I would have really liked to run, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That would have made things a lot the, better. I loved Yoshi. He was so super useful, not only for getting places quick, but he could also outrun the vast majority of enemies. So it was yes. easy for traversing old areas. Mm-hmm. But oh my god, the fact that you couldn't interact with anything while sitting on Yoshi was fucking horrific. You couldn't jump? You couldn't go Ooh. through doors? Ooh. Yeah. Yoshi is one of the enemies that in the world had the some of the best cons, but also, or some of the best pros, but also some of the worst cons. Yeah. I loved him, but oh my god, I just want to go through a door while sitting on my dinosaur. Please. Please. It doesn't... Oh, it's so, so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. How did you feel about the badge system? The badge system, I really couldn't be mad at. Yeah. I absolutely loved the badge system in Hollow Knight, and this improved on my one complaint about it, that I can't switch them out more often. Absolutely. So, this was everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, some of the badges, like... The... Nintendo was very smart when they made this because they got a lot of mileage out of their badges by just putting P on the end of loads of them. It's very true. So you kind of doubled the amount of badges that you could find and collect. Woo! It's very true. But yeah, so some of them were a bit like, eh, okay. Eh. But overall, great. Yeah. I'm I'm very here for badge systems. Yeah, I really like the badge system. Again, it basically had all the advantages of Hollow Knight. It was great. It was customizable. You could change them up and change your playstyle at the drop of a hat. I didn't really. I basically just added more badges to my playstyle instead of really dropping any of the major ones. But you still could if you wanted to. Like there, I was looking up beforehand because with this kind of thing, because there are so many badges, I'm like, okay, let me look up some builds. And there are so many diverse builds for this game based on just how many badges there are. Yeah. Um, and, no. and I just really like it, but it does improve in that you can change badges more often, but that's only possible because of the distinction in this game between combat and exploration. The badges are really just combat. There are like one or two badges that are exploration focus like there's a slow go badge that makes mm-hmm. you slower for precise platforming but 99% of the badges are combat focused and because mm-hmm. of that it's fine to change the badges during the exploration phase because you don't use them then um 
you can't do that in Hollow Knight because exploration and combat are the same phase of the game. Okay. Because I was, I was going to ask you that when we brought the badge system up in Hollow Knight, you thought that switching the badges at will instead of just at benches would be too OP. So I wanted to ask you, did you think like this felt too OP? I don't think it did. Because you cannot change the badges in the middle of a fight. You can only change the badges during the exploration phase of the game. And I think that's very important. The fact that exploration and combat are two separate, distinct phases is what makes the badge system not overpowered. Okay. Yeah. So if you had more badges that affected exploration, do you think that would be... I think the OPness of being able to change badges at any time in Hollow Knight is being able to cheese fighting. I don't think it's being able to cheese exploration as much. Like, there are probably, like, specific instances where you could cheese exploration in Hollow Knight if you were able to switch badges, but I think... Or charms. But I really think the big cheese factor is in the combat of Hollow Knight. And I think even if you added... So I think because of that, it wouldn't become too OP if you added more exploration-based badges. But again, it also really depends on which type of exploration-based badges you did you added. It would be a whole, you know, a whole giant analysis. But that's just my initial thoughts. Or maybe, like, if you add exploration badges, you could make some of them, like, you can't... Like, they're permanent. Once you equip them, you can't unequip them. So I you had some, you had some of your badge points that were flexible, but some that could become inflexible if you, cho- if you chose... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like adding a whole extra subsystem into the game. And I don't know. I don't know. That's something that would require a lot more study, maybe. I certainly... I What's that? Food for thought. Yeah, food for thought. Definitely. Um, So how did you feel about the comedic aspects of the game? This is where I think this game really shined. And also really won me over. Yeah. It was so charming. And also more shocking than any Mario game I've played. Yeah? Yeah. Like, Peach gets naked. There's a whole family drama. It was it was buck wild. It's, I, that is certainly one way I would describe this game. Buck wild. I don't know. Just like, this game actually made me laugh. Yeah. There were definitely actual laugh out loud moments in this fucking Mario video game. Yeah, made for actual children. Ah, uh, I don't know. I feel like this is made for a slightly older audience than the average Mario platformer. Okay, maybe. Like, it had a mafioso in it. <laughs> it did. The opening cutscene of the game had the mafioso beating up a rival gang. Which, by the way, is one of my favorite things to happen in a cutscene in this video game. I mean, yeah, that's kind of awesome. I don't know. The end cutscene, not the end cutscene, but like when Mario's getting hyped up by everyone from around the world and you see a little speech bubble that says, You can do it, Luigi! Fucking Pennington. That cracks me up. Uh, I, I, I legitimately teared up a little at that fucking scene where all like, You can do it, Mario. I'm like, My emotional ass can't handle this shit. I'm gonna cry. Oh, see, no, the part that really got me was when Peach, like... Oh my god, no, that's where I broke. That's where I broke. The scene leading up to it, like, built up pressure behind the dam. Peach giving up her power broke the shit out of that dam. A hundred percent. Also, 
can we just talk about Peach in this game being fucking awesome? Yes. I love... She's like this in pretty much all Mario RPGs. Peach is fucking awesome. In the first Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG, you can actually play as Peach. Mm. Yeah, in the first one, you can play as Peach, and she's a fucking badass, like... I think she's like a cleric, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, no, I love Peach in all the Mario RPG games. She is sassy and a strong, independent woman, and she's great. I love her. Okay. So at first, I was very unsure about how I felt about the cutscenes mm-hmm. in between each chapter, mm-hmm. specifically how many there were. That's fair. But I came to came to really enjoy the ones between her and Tech. Yo, that fucking thirsty ass computer. Yeah, if it was kind of a little weird at first yeah (laughs) i meant it was weird the whole time it was cute at the end still weird (laughs) yeah also i'm glad peach got at least one thing one thing to fall in love with her because fucking everyone fell in love with mario people really were fawning over him fucking apparently mario is like a massive chick magnet (laughs) They were really playing his star power in this game. Yeah. So, uh, let's talk about bosses. How did you feel about the bosses, Tina? I felt most of them were very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, most of them were very good. Okay. There were one or two that I could not, I don't know if I would say do without, but they were just, eh. You would have preferred something else. Yeah, I would have preferred something else. That's fair. But on the whole... They were varied, and usually they definitely felt like a nice button to the chapter. No? Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the, like, various refights between, like, important NPCs? Like, it wasn't like in Bayonetta where, like, it was just boss refights for the sake of boss refights. They were, like, refights because the story said so. Like how you fought Lord Crump three times? I mean, yeah. You fought Crump a few times, you fought the Sirens a few times, you fought Bowser twice. You've technically fought Dupless like three times as well. Whatever. Dupless can go. Damn. That was stupid. Damn, okay. I'm sorry, you had to walk all the way back to the castle to get a pee. Woo! That was stupid. I have a different um, opinion, but that's fine. Okay. Well, do, do you want to talk about it now? Uh, I mean, yeah, he's not my favorite boss by any means, but I. Like the Dupless fight, because it was obviously drawing inspiration from, like, oh, what's it called? The myth where it's like, oh, you have to say my name and I'll give you a wish or some shit. Rumpelstiltskin? Yes, it was obviously drawing inspiration from Rumpelstiltskin, but it also very much reminds me of, like, naming, uh, like, true name type stuff from, like, fantasy books. And that is, like, something I love personally. And so that's why I have a fondness for Dupless in that chapter. Certainly not my favorite in any category. I just enjoy the idea of it. It's not so much that I had a problem with Dupless himself. I just didn't like the fact that you triggered through the whole chapter. Mm. And then you had to go all the way back to the beginning. And then all the way back to the creepy steeple. And then all the way back again. That's fair. On that note, hey Tina, how do you feel about backtracking in this game? A staple of many Metroidvanias. But one that I think this one did not too great. Yeah, it was the the smaller Metroidvania-esque elements, it did fine. Mm-hmm. 
but when it came to backtracking as a whole, it was honestly more of a pain than anything. Yeah. And I think Twilight Town is a prime example of that. That's fair. I think it gets really bad in, like, some of the Trouble Center Troubles where you're backtracking to Hooktail's capsule multiple fucking times. And it's not just backtracking to the castle, it's backtracking to the top of the castle multiple times. Okay, that's just, like, stupid. I don't know why they sent you to Hooktail's goddamn castle so many times. Um, I don't think I hit any of those troubles, and I'm very glad. Uh, yeah. And then there was also finding General White, which, ugh. Mm -hmm. That was one of my least favorite parts of this game as a whole. Everything surrounding it was great. Being launched out of a fucking uh, Bob-omb-powered cannon was great. But finding General White just, oh my god, kill me. (laughs) It was atrocious. No, this game really just didn't do backtracking well. Yeah, part of the issue was that, like, part of the issue, I think, was that there were, you did unlock some fast travel stuff. You unlocked the pipes in the Rogueport sewers that would take you back to certain locations quickly. Um, But the problem was, every time you encountered an enemy, you still went through the whole rigmarole of, okay, battle opening animation, you have to kill him. Battle closing animation. It took, like, it was a five-minute affair every time you fought an enemy that you could just easily kill, like, outright in a single turn. Oh, totally. And I think that was the biggest issue. The combat system was great, unless you were fighting shit enemies. Yeah. And there was a badge that alleviated this, that basically allowed you to defeat any enemy that was, like, a certain power level below you. I believe it was anything that would give you, like, one star point for the whole encounter. But I don't think that's good enough. There was that badge. I think it came too late. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's in the Pit of 100 Trials, which is an optional side dungeon that you have to slog through most of, I think, to get this badge. And, like, ugh, it's just too much. No, it it really is too much. Um, But speaking of the Pit of 100 Trials, hey, Tina. Hey, Tina, why don't you tell the nice folks at home about your experience with the Pit of 100 Trials? Are we really gonna do this? Do you really want to see me cry? I would like. I would like. I would just like people to know. I want people to know that not only did Tina like this JRPG enough to attempt optional difficult side content, she did it twice, almost kind of basically. <laughs> so, I. I stumbled upon the pit really super early in the game, and I played the first 10 trials and realized how underleveled I was, so I quickly got out at level 10. But it was always kind of like in the back of my mind, and Joe talked about possibly doing it right before he went to chapter 8 or whatever, so I was like, oh, you know, like, maybe if I have time, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe, Maybe I'll come back for this, you know? Yeah. But I, I was pretty sure I, it wasn't going to happen. But then after, after you get your, I think it's, yeah, after you get your sixth, sixth star, you go to Frankly and he's like, I need, I need more time. So I go around exploring and I lowkey end up in the outpost and I try to like, I'm like, oh, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. So I dig around in the outpost for a while. And then when I realized it's not what I was supposed to do, I'm like, okay, well, I'm burnt out on all this. I don't want to play this anymore. So I'm like, now's a good time to do the trials. So I go. I do the trials. My first time, I get to 98. 
and I die. And this was very late at night. I text Joseph. I was very upset. It was absolutely horrid. The next morning, I try again. <laughs> and I die in the exact same spot. And it was just, it was real sad. It was incredibly demoralizing. She was having doubts of if she was even going to finish this game after those two runs, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> it was real bad. It was so bad. But I was just. Oh, I really just... Mm. But like I said, I really think this says something about the game, that not only is she taking on optional challenges, she tried it twice. Before running out of time and saying, hey, I gotta finish this game, though. Saying, hey, I gotta finish the game. Yeah. I didn't do it either, because, yeah, I, I also ran out of time. But I'll probably go back after the episode and do it. You, you should try it. I would be very interested to hear what you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was also, like, the little mover guys... The first time that I played it through, I got him twice, but I got him on really bad levels mm -hmm. where he was like, do you want to move like five floors? And I was like, if I move five floors, I'm going to miss like my checkpoint every 10 floors, yeah. you know, like, like I would have skipped over um, a number of 10, but like the second run through that didn't happen at all. Like he put me at so much better spots. I was so freaking happy. It was but, uh, yeah. It wasn't meant to be. We'll have to do a follow-up if Tina ever decides to finish the pit. And maybe, you know, bonus feature on a future episode. Who knows? Or if you do it too. Yeah. Uh, but, real quick, last little thing in this section. How did you feel about that, like, kind of triple final boss? You fought Grotus, then Bowser as a single, like, combined fight. And then you went and did the final fight with the Shadow Queen. I, I was yeah. really, I was really here for it, actually. Yeah. I was... I was here for it. It didn't feel like the issue we kind of had with Bayonetta, where uh, Boulder was like not a better fight than Jubilees, but like, <laughs> but like it was. I don't know. Like you said, you kind of felt it was that was going to be the final boss, but I don't think that happened here. It did a progression of final bosses a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like it. I thought that. The Grotus fight was very difficult, and then you're like, oh, thank god I beat him. And then you fight Bowser, and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm really low on resources. And then, you, you, you I don't know about you, but I got a uh, fight, like, real, real by the skin of my teeth type deal. Mm -hmm. And then you run mm -hmm. down, and you have the fight with the Shadow Queen. And I'm curious how you felt about the part where you were basically forced to die. So at first I was kind of upset about it, mm -hmm. but hindsight being twenty twenty, looking back on it, I also was very low after the Bowser fight. Yeah. So, like, yeah, they forced me to die, but like, honestly, like I was gonna have to refight her anyway. I mean, you should have been able to go into the Shadow Queen fight with full health. There was a heal block at the top of the stairs. Was there? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, sure you're right. I don't know how I missed that though. I'm un I'm unsure as well. It was right next That's to the funny. chest at the top of the stairs with the super mushroom in it, or whatever was up there. No, I definitely just saw the chest. That's whatever. hilarious. Whatever. Whatever. I'm sorry. I mean, it's fine, because then you got to the part where you die faster, so... Yeah, I die faster, so it literally doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, let's, real, real quick, talk about the story of this game, Tina. How do you feel about the story? 
overall as a whole. And also maybe tell us, what is the story of this game? So, there is a demon queen sealed behind a door that was somehow locked using maybe real stars, maybe gems. It's unclear. Um, and But however, it's been a thousand years, and as we all know, stars have an expiration date of a thousand years. They're no longer good after a thousand years. Obviously. But however, if they all meet up for drinks and talk it out, they're going to be fine. So if you reunite the stars, you can then either free and or reseal away the Demon Queen. Correct. And so Mario uh, does that. Sure. Also, there are cross knots? Yeah. Who, like, are kind of in a cult for this demon queen? I would certainly call it a very cult-like environment, yes. Yeah, I think it's kind of a cult. It, it's a high-tech cult. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> That's, and Bowser's, like, kind of there, but he's really an idiot, and I'm actually, I actually, like, really love that point, that he's such a complete fuck-up. <laughs> Yup, yup, yup. That's another thing in a lot of Mario RPGs, Bowser being a complete into... Not even Mario RPGs. That's a thing in Mario. Bowser being incompetent as fuck. I don't know. He seemed, like, exquisitely incompetent. Absolutely. And it was kind of fabulous. And I loved every scene him and Cammy had together. Their chemistry was fantastic. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. She's... So old. So old. She's so crusty. She's so old, and Bowser's so fat. <laughs> like, they could have a sitcom. They absolutely should have a sitcom. Or like, even if they don't have a sitcom, like, that could be the plot of a sitcom. Yes. But, yeah, what did I miss? I mean, you missed the part where a computer learned to fall in love because he saw Peach get naked. Okay, can, can we, like, actually talk about this? Please. There were, like, two places that Peach got naked in this game. Yes. And it was a little weird. This is like, the sexiest Peach game. I mean, yo, I will... Do we want to talk about Demon Queen Peach now? I mean, let's, yes. Because I don't understand why everyone was so freaking hype about Bowsette. Like, a year ago? When, like, they've been sleeping on Demon Queen Peach. I mean, I mean, yeah. Come on, guys. Because it's kind of the same thing. People just don't, uh, don't appreciate the classics, Tina. Apparently not. I mean, I personally would prefer Demon Queen Peach over Bowsette, but... Yeah, but there's no weird, like, half-bestiality, uh, component to Demon Queen Peach. Okay, so half-human, half-turtle is, like, where the world is at, but half-human, half-demon, they're like, nah, fam? Nah, that's just tieflings. <laughs> tieflings aren't cool anymore. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. Turtle people are where it's at. Everyone wants right. to fuck a turtle. You're right, you're right. I really thought I had a funny, witty observation, but you're just, you're just right, I'm Joseph. just correct. <laughs> I mean, which do you prefer? I mean, if I had to choose between giant turtle person that would literally crush me with their giant fuck-off shell, and a sexy demon person, I'd go with the succubus. Because at least I know the succubus will get me off good before taking my soul. 
Seriously, get like, oh, I don't know. When I saw it, all I could think of was Bowsette, and I just really don't understand why the internet went so bananas for it. And Demon Peach has been here all along. You know why, Tina? Why? Because Bowsette's tits were bigger. Okay, I'm sorry she was so flat. She's literally made of paper, Joseph. <laughs> Excellent. So, I'm curious, because you really, really liked Hollow Knight's form of storytelling. And this is, like, the exact antithesis of that. So how did you feel about this game's storytelling? Specifically, lots and lots and lots and lots of cutscenes and dialogue. Okay, so it's not the cutscenes I have an issue with. Because mm -hmm. I absolutely adore the cutscenes in Bayonetta. It's, honestly, this is going to sound so lazy and I don't even care. It's, honestly, it's the reading. I mean, there are two people in the world, two types of people in the world, those that love reading JRPG bullshit and those that don't. And it's fine that if you're I, one or the other, there's no, yeah. I'm not judging no one here. I totally understand. There was a lot of reading in this game. Yeah, there was like a ton of reading, but. You know, like that one time you literally had to read through uh, someone saying, I love I you a hundred times. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. Have that written down as a note. Well, why the hell did that happen? Um, but the story... No, I don't even want to say the story was interesting enough to keep me engaged. Like, I knew I had to pay attention when Frankly was talking. And there were certain people that I liked to hear talk. Uh-huh. You know? Uh-huh. Like, specifically the piñatas. Piñatas? The banana people. Like, the piñatas, I happily read all of their dialogue. In 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 a stereotypical New York accent, I hope. Oh, a hundred percent. Flavio read all of his dialogue. Flavio was wonderful. But I don't know. There definitely were some characters that I just did not yeah. care about. I mean, understandable. Like low key, kind of everyone on the train. I yeah. And like we'll get most... to the train. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, there was a lot of dialogue. There was a lot of dialogue. But that's kind of what you're signing up for when you're playing a JRPG of any description, unless it's Pokemon. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, while I, this was not my favorite part of the game, I think the humor and the attitude of the game made it palatable enough. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah, totally. So, I am curious, also, how did you feel about the chapter structure of the story? Each chapter was kind of self-contained like you had your own adventure that was related because you were getting a crystal star but wasn't directly related to the plot of the main plot except for i guess the boogly woods chapter it we made this comparison when we briefly talked or i guess you made this comparison when we briefly talked about this game before we started uh recording today but you said that it felt very much very much like balance from the adventure zone and I think that's a very good comparison where, like like you said, each chapter is self-contained and they're not loosely tied together, but, like, they don't really come together till the end. They're pretty loosely tied together. <laughs> the connecting <laughs> strand is there's a crystal star here. Yeah, the, the connecting strand is the MacGuffin you get at the end of the chapter. Exactly. Which, I don't know, I was, I was kind of okay with. It lets you really fall into, like, you being a wrestler or, like... You helping out these dumb, dumb bugs. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to... I don't know. Not you didn't have to worry about it, but, like, 
you really could just like be in the moment in that chapter just focus on that you know yeah absolutely totally totally agree i really like the chapter structure i like i like the idea of i guess it's i like the idea of stories that are smaller pieces of a larger whole but aren't directly connected i like the idea of a through line that is not imposed upon the individual stories as strongly Mm -hmm. as you know in like i don't know game of thrones or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and then the the last thing i want to talk about in the story section how did you feel about what i call the uh quintessential jrpg finale slog where you have to sit through like four like 20 minute cutscenes at the end of the game okay so like we both talked about how the i can't even say the ending scene because it wasn't the ending scene but the scene towards the end where Peach gives Mario his pow- her power and everyone's cheering Mario on. Like, we all talked, we talked about how much we love that. But then there were, like, seven more after that. Yep. That I was just like, I don't need this. Like, no offense, frankly. I don't care that you're here with the chest. Like, I beat the game. Just, like... Let me see the credits roll, you know? Like, and I get that they had to, like, put a little bow on it, but I really felt that the epilogue was too long. And I know there was not an actual epilogue, but what felt kind of like an epilogue to I me. mean, there was. There was a where are all, where are they all now section. Yeah, that was totally... I, I just meant that there wasn't, like, a, a, a chapter called epilogue. That's fair. The, the, the ending felt very Return of the King to me. I know you haven't watched that, so I will explain. At the end of The Lord of the Rings Return of the King... There is a scene that feels very much like the end of the movie. It fades to black, and then another scene starts. And then that one fades to black, and then another scene starts. And that happens, like, three more times before that movie ends. It's like, it's almost like you're giving me blue balls, you know? Exactly. It's 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 storytelling blue balls. It's like, oh my god, it's resolution blue balls. Like, it's just, it's just, it's stupid. Yeah, no, I... Mean, I I, I personally, I really liked seeing where, where everyone was and what they were doing afterwards, but, like, oh, my God, the cutscenes were just so long. It was legitimately, like, including the stuff before the final boss. Like, everything from the pre-Grotus uh, cutscene to the very, very end, it was, like, a solid half hour of cutscenes. Which is by no means the worst. I believe it was Metal Gear Solid 4, which had a literal hour and a half of cutscene at the end of it, at the end of the game. Guess what game I can go to our uh, shared Excel doc and delete now. Delete (laughs) right now. Like, I just want to put down my controller and savor the fact that I just beat this very, very long game. Yeah. You know, like, let me savor it. Let me stew in it. Totally. Totally. Hey guys, Joe here. Just want to pop in here at the midpoint to let you know some information before we finish up the episode. First of all, we'd love to get some recommendations from you guys on what we should play, so feel free to send us some of those. You can either email us at levelinganoob at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at levelingn. That's the word leveling and the letter N. Uh, Second of all, we'd love it if you would support us here on Anchor. Uh, You can support us by going to our show page and clicking on the support this podcast button. 
Supporting us would give us the opportunity to get some better recording equipment and even get Tina some consoles so we could uh, play some more modern games. But hey, even if you can't support us, I just wanted to say thanks from both Tina and I for just giving our podcast a listen. We really appreciate it. Some ads might play after this, but ads or not, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. See you all in two weeks for the next one. Uh, moving on to the next section, let's talk about how did you feel about the visual aesthetic? How do you feel about all that paper? Well, this is only the second Mario game that we have played. I have obviously seen many more iterations of this lovable plumber. Yes. Because I'm human in the world. Yes. And I think this is by far my favorite. Him and Peach look so cute. I love their height disparity. Peach looks amazing. Ponytail Peach is best Peach. I mean, I have a difference of opinion about this. I really think it is her in her jumpsuit in uh, uh, Mario Kart games, but that's okay. That's that okay. She has a ponytail in that one. Yes, I know, but it's the jumpsuit that makes them. We're not going to get into that. That's fair enough. I, w- I mean, I think Ponytail Peach in general is best Peach, but jumpsuit plus ponytail is also very good. I can get behind this. So, just all the the paper aesthetic was so cute yes it was absolutely wonderful i really liked a lot of the i'm just going to call them paper puns that's not really what they are but you know what i mean when the boat showed up instead of like turning around it literally like came up off the page and flipped over yes and flurry's uh, ability was to blow away sheets of paper covering up secret items and yeah. your all of your like powers were like origami powers. <laughs> I loved the as I call them paper puns. They were really creative with the idea of paper in this game. A hundred percent. And yes, they just all of the characters were so cute. I loved all of them. Like even the and, bad guys were just adorable. <laughs> and there was there was so many bright colors, and it was just very. Even Twilight Town was vibrant. Well, yeah, because, like, okay, yes, brown was there, but, like, everyone was purple and green and blue, like... Exactly. They conveyed that same emotion without just using black and gray, you know? And it almost had, like, a cartoony vibe. I mean, a little bit. But, like, very stylized. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yes. How do you feel about the soundtrack? Whoa, boy. This soundtrack. Whoa Can't boy. tell if that's a good or a bad whoa boy. I mean, I know, like, we put this game in a long slot. I saw, like, my timer at the end. Like, I know how long it took me to play this game. But going back and trying to listen to, I was like, oh, maybe I'll just listen to, like, some of the soundtrack. It's, like, three and a half hours long. There's literally, like, 120 plus songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. And like, to, are, to be fair, not all of them. Like, if that's the full soundtrack, including, like, sound effects. So, like, but I under... Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of sound in this game. And, like, are all of them bangers? No, but I feel that the important ones were good to great, you know? Yeah, I thought all the boss fight music was very good. I was gonna say specifically the fight with the Demon Queen, like, her last round. Yeah. That was a bop. Yes. I I I am very partial to video game soundtracks and I have a lot of the soundtracks from the games that we've played on mm-hmm. my phone, but not all of them. This is one of them that I have on my phone. I just Really? It's so upbeat and fun. I just love it. The 
by the end of playing this game and loading it up so many times, like, the the opening music does give me, like, a little bit of feels. Yeah. You know, like, there there is, like, a little bit of, like... Yeah. A, a, a little brain itch that's, like, we, we're, we've done this, you know, we're doing this again. Hell yeah. yeah. I love it. Uh, how did you feel about the sound effects? <sighs> I know there's one in there that I know you hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really tired of the dumb danger sound effect. I can see I'm in peril. Stop it. Stop. It's just, they make it so obvious, and then they feel the need to add a sound effect, and it's just like rubbing salt in my wound. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, it's my health. This is the stat I am most concerned about all the flippin' time, okay? Yeah. I don't need an animation when I walk around and I look like I have freaking asthma and, like, a blinking sign over my head and, like, an air horn in my ear. Too much. I understand. Yeah. I mean, that's really all there is to say about it. It's this happens in so many games and they all suck. Yeah, my, like my opinion is not going to change. Yeah, there's not a good way to do it. The only good way to do it is to not have them. There uh. is one game that I do not remember what game it is. We may stumble upon it at some point, but there is one game that does it, but it like syncs up the distress signal to the music that is playing. Ooh, yes, I'll have to find out what I'm game that is because that's like. Yeah, that's, like, the only thing I've heard that's, like, that's actually not obnoxious as fuck. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's honestly the perfect word for it. Obnoxious. Yes. Like, I see it. Shut up. Uh, rest of the sound effects, though? Oh, I mean, like, when you did, like, your little backflips and, like, the confetti and, like, all the audience noises, like, those were all fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. When, like, the most of the sound effects, not fade into the background, but, like kind of fade into the background as like they should you know yeah i get what you're saying like you've heard them but, enough that you know what they are and like they're just there now yeah but like the bingo one kind of gets me going like the doom 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 i mean like it's so good because i got like three bingos in the whole game <laughs> like when you get the bingo like wait you got three i know that you can like actually time it but i'm really bad at it okay that's fine I don't know. And, like, when you get the bingo and, like, the audience, like, rushed in, like, I don't know. That was... I feel like I I personally rag on sound effects a lot, but I think that was one that was actually, like, really well executed. Hell yeah. Uh, All right, let's move on to the next section. I like to haul highs and lows. We talk about some of our least and best favorite sections of different parts of the game. That was worded real poorly this time, but let's just go with it. Tina, (laughs) area. Okay, so what do you mean by area? I'm talking, what is your favorite location? So not your favorite chapter, but the favorite, your favorite place that a chapter happened. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. That's what I thought it was, and that's how I did it. I gotcha. Okay, so least is the tree in chapter two. Yeah. I don't know what it's called, but that tree. The great boggly tree, maybe? Yes. Sure. In the boogly woods. (laughs) Yes. I did not like this tree. I felt that it was super hard to navigate, and I did not enjoy this chapter. That's fair. Uh, my least favorite was the Excess Express. I Chapter 5 was one of mm-hmm. my less favorites. Not my least favorite, but was on the lower end of the spectrum. And in addition, you walked back and forth along the same hallways 
so many times. I'm just like, I just can't with this fucking train. I went back and forth between the tree and the train. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. Totally understandable. What about your favorite, though? I think we have the same favorite. I mean, it's obviously Rogueport, right? Okay, I mean, mine was Glitzville, but I can totally understand Rogueport. I mean, Glitzville's also very good, but, like, if you're allowing me to do something as expansive as Rogueport, it's definitely Rogueport, no contest. That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Rogueport is great and expansive and colorful and wonderful. I totally get it. I wasn't thinking about Rogueport at the time that I did this, and I still don't know that I would put it above Glitzville. I just really like Glitzville. I like the aesthetic. I like the atmosphere. I like the fucking racist hot dog pig. (laughs) Yes. I love that Jolene had a double identity. Oh, 100%. Yo, just because I know the story part is over, that, like, actually threw me. I was not expecting the Jolene twist. I thought a different twist was coming. Yeah? Yes. So I was, like... I knew there was obviously going to be a twist with her identity, like she wasn't just a secretary, but it wasn't the twist I was expecting. Oh, I meant the Jolene double life where she was the sexy toad in the juice bar. Oh, okay. I mean that too. Yeah. I mean like her, I mean like her being like an investigator and Mush's sister is also very good, but like, yeah. Glitzville's just great. Yeah, Glitzville's great. Uh, what about chapter... Uh, not to be repetitive, but I didn't like chapter two. Same. It was just really... Like... No, but you you didn't like it because you, like, didn't like the Koopa Mayor, and I thought he was a precious old man. Koopa Mayor was chapter one. I didn't like chapter two. I liked that... I liked the introduction of the cross knots in chapter two. Uh, I liked that you got to interact with Crump. I hated having to escort the goddamn punies... All over the fucking tree. Escort quests are objectively the worst quests in all video games, and this one sucked ass. And I hated that the fucking fights against the Jabbies were completely RNG, and you just sometimes failed them, and it sucked. Yeah. Chapter 2 was a real lowdown. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. But that's okay. What was your fate? Okay, so my favorite, I have a tie. Okay. So I absolutely, absolutely love Chapter 3. I mean, yeah, Glitzville is fantastic. It was fantastic. Like, working your way up the ranks was awesome. I love me a good mystery. Like, and it wasn't like Chapter 5 where it was just mystery. You know, like, it was a mystery, like, was the background. Like, woo. Yeah. Like, so I thought Chapter 3 was fantastic. However, I really loved, I think it was Chapter 5. Was Chapter 5 the island? Or was that chapter six? Chapter five was the island. Chapter six okay. was the train. I really liked chapter five. Yes. Chapter five was good. I agree. I mean, I have a big soft spot for Flavio. And pirates. And pirates in general. I mean, that's just... That, yeah. I mean, that's just that's just an attribute of me. Not specific to this game. Yes. Pirates are just great. Pirates are great. So, I loved that. I loved all the puzzles in the cave. Like, it really felt super Indiana Jonesy. Yeah. And I thought Cortez kicked ass. Yo, Cortez was a bamf. Like, yes. Yes. And then she's like, oh, like, here, I'll just give it to you, of course. Yes. Like, no, I was, I loved it. And then he fucking 
drove his ship back and forth on the island for you and he became cool friends with Paw Patch and yeah. and Admiral Bobbery after you left. Nah, Cortez was great. So I just I really love chapter 5 actually. Cool, feel free to hate me. I, I Creepy Steeple was my favorite. <laughs> for reasons presented earlier, I like the atmosphere, my fate. Spoilers, favorite partner. Uh I really like Dupless for reasons I mentioned earlier. And yeah. He's not a partner? No, I like Dupless as an antagonist. My favorite oh, okay. partner was Vivian. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, and, like, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, next, what about NPCs? So, NPCs, we actually had a very humorous long discussion about who our favorite and least favorite NPCs were. Yeah. As you were picking them. Yep. And we discovered uh, that we hate basically everyone on the train. Everyone on the train kind of sucked. All the passengers. I think the staff yeah. was fine. Shimi was a little racist. Yeah. But the rest of the staff were fine because mm-hmm. they were bland. But yeah, the inhabitants sucked. Like, rat businessman, who cares? Stuck up bombs. Like, I'm over it. Yeah. And, like, their boss also sucked. Just like. Mm. Yeah. That's also no. fair. Uh, for me, it was Puniper, though. He was the dick puny in Chapter 2 that was a dick to Punio, and I'm like, Puniper, why you gotta be a dick like that? That is also a good pick. Yeah. What about your favorite? I think I think we might have the fa- same favorite? Mm, I have a tie. Okay. Tell me your ties. Okay, so it's either all of the Piantas. Yep, that's mine. Because they're just so wonderful. That was the best story. Like, there are a couple storylines that you could make whole games out of. One being Luigi's. I'm so interested in him and his compass. And then also the Piantas. Like, I could play a Nintendo game about a mob syndicate. I just want Nintendo to remake The Godfather, but with Piantas. Yes. Yes. That That's what I want. Um, But tied for that was definitely Miss Mouse. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I liked Ms. Mouse as a character. She was very flirty and wonderful and great. Yeah. But it sounds the, like there's a butt coming. Well, the butt in this instance is the Piantas are my favorite favorite just because they're ridiculous and I love them and their fucking family dynamic is ridiculous and I love it. The other they're butt is we're about to talk about partners and. Mm, <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like, I didn't get her as a partner, so I felt weird putting her there. That's fair. I put her there because literally everyone else, every other partner was double upgrade, and I had not even single upgraded her. Mm, I never once used her for anything. Oh, really? I got her as a partner, and then she remained in my back pocket for the entire rest of the game. In which case, I'm glad I didn't put any extra effort. She's probably useful. I just didn't find her useful. (laughs) I gotcha. But hey... That's a good segue, I think. Who is your least favorite partner? Koopa. Koops. Oh, sorry. Let me, let me say that when I'm not yawning. Mm, Koopa. It's Koops. Koops? It's Koops? It's Koops. Whatever. Koops. I didn't like Koops. I didn't like the little green turtle. Why? I'm curious. If for combat reasons, for non-combat reasons, for storyline reasons, what, what, what are the various reasons you did not like him? All of the above. In At least in how I played, he was the least useful in Fair. combat. And... I mean, like, I get that, like, his cute little anxiousness and, like, nervousness was part of his character, but, like, that's... I wasn't here for it. I'm sorry. That's fair. Hot take. That's fair. 
Uh, I used him a fair amount, assuming there was a lot of ground-based enemies. Uh, I used him to take out large groups of enemies, uh, assuming they're ground-based. Uh, so he's not on the bottom. The bottom, like I said, is Miss Mouse, just because I literally never used her. Um, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. And I think the reason I didn't use him as much as I could have for, like, large amounts of ground-based enemies was because, like, there was a set amount of damage you could do with his shell attack. Like, the one that ran through everyone. I mean, yeah. And I felt that I had a better chance of, like... I was willing to risk it with Earth Tremor. That's fair. I can understand that uh, line of logic. So, I don't know. I just didn't use him a ton. But then who was and your like, favorite? Oh, sorry. I couldn't get his shell thing. Like, I was just real... Like, his shield. Oh, I, I did not use that. I was real bad at that action command did not use that at all. I used him for attacking large groups of ground-based enemies and also anything that was, like, fire or spiky that mm-hmm. you couldn't, like, hit physically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was you, who who your favorite, though? So, I was gonna say I think we have the same favorite, but then I remembered you had Viv. Well, I have a tie. Okay, because mine is Flurry with Viv as a close second. Mine is Viv with Flurry as a close second. Okay, that's close enough. Yes. I, I liked I liked Vivian's storyline the most. We didn't really talk about this because I like Vivian's storyline, but not Vivian's American storyline. Um, I know what that you're you vaguely aware of this, uh, mm-hmm. but let me expound a little. Uh, so you notice her storyline in the American version, the game, the version we played, uh, was basically that Beldum was a fucking bitch. And then Mario was nice to her, and she's like, Mario, be my friend. You were nice to me once. But her storyline in the Japanese version, the original version, was actually that she is trans. She is a trans female. And a lot of the teasing that Beldum did was directed towards that. So all the times that she was making fun of her, she wasn't just making fun of her for being incompetent. She was making fun of her for assuming she could be a her. Um, There was even a scene where um, Beldum said, we are... And then Vivian finished it with the three beauties. And Beldum says, we are not three beauties. One of us is not a beauty. Uh, because, you know, uh, Beldum's a fucking bigot. And then the story, I think, put in... When Vivian joined Mario, she joined Mario not just because Mario was nice to her, but because Mario accepted her for who she was with no questions asked. Mm-hmm. And I think that puts a much nicer ribbon on her story. And I just also think she's very cute, and I love her as a character. I mean, she is super cute, and I do love her as a character. But her actual, like, unfortunately, her actual story is much more compelling yeah. than the one that we saw. Yeah. Like, No, like, totally. Like, playing the it, American version, I can totally understand how you would not necessarily put her at the top. Like, she is my favorite story-wise. Flurry is my favorite mechanically, like, in combat. Mm-hmm. Also, her personality is also fantastic. I I agree. And honestly, like, it's really a huge shame that she, that her storyline like, basically neutered when I came here. Yeah, it is a travesty, in my opinion, but also, as a reminder, as a reminder, this game was released in 2004. Like, we were getting there but, like, not really. Like, we're still not even there today on transgender issues in, like, 2004? Mm. I don't know. It kind of blows my mind, though. 
because I feel like in the scope, or n not in the scope of things, but from a more American perspective, I feel that from the outside, we view Japan as a much more traditional culture. Mm -hmm. And obviously, trans people have been around literally forever, but visibility-wise, it's a much more modern thing. Absolutely. So I think it is very interesting that a culture that appears to be rooted in tradition was like, I don't want to say more okay with it, but like the, the story was released there. Yeah. And I obviously I don't know about the back, like if there was any backlash. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I could have looked that up beforehand. <laughs> I didn't. Gaming historian, my ass. <laughs> hey, I knew the story. I just didn't know the backlash. Um, yeah, I, I do think that's interesting. Uh, or maybe it's just another fucking point in favor of Nintendo being the best uh, of the big three. With the other two being? Uh, Microsoft and Sony. The big three being the three main console manufacturers. Mm, okay. Yeah. Do who, who does Xbox? That's Microsoft. Sony does the PlayStation consoles. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know. Did Nintendo put out rainbow-colored Switches in June? You know, I don't think they did. It's okay. Because commercialization of Pride is... We're not going to get into it. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's move on to the next one. Uh, we're going to talk about badges. Uh, before we talk about top and bottom three, I just wanted us to talk about our general layout of uh, what badges we used going into the final battle. I can start or you can start or... You can start. Okay, so mine was mostly defensive... Uh, I had damage dodge and damage odds P, uh, two defend pluses and a defend plus P, two flower, sa two flower savers and two flower saver P's. I had an HP plus, and then I had some attack stuff. I had multi-bounce and piercing blow. Uh, I also had power plus and power plus P. I had power smash, and I had quick change, which I got quick change way too late in the game. Holy shit, quick change is a good badge. No, that's like the best badge. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay, so we actually didn't have a ton of the same badges. Okay, that's I mean, exciting quick... and interesting, so tell me more. I had quick change as well. I had defend and defend P. Mm -hmm. I had flower saver, but only for P. Okay. But that's okay. And then I had power plus for both me and my partners. Yeah. However, I had, um, I had three badges that were regens. Oh, like, okay. Happy Flower, Happy Heart, and Happy Heart P. Yeah, totally, totally. Had those. I didn't have any of, like, the multi... I didn't have anything that really changed my bounce at all. Mm -hmm. I instead had, like, Hammer Throw. I had Head Rattle, Quake Hammer, Power Smash. Totally fair. Um, the Whatever the Fire one was called. Like, I really... Yeah, you are a hammer-focused build. Yes, I diversified my hammer a lot. Yeah, I had more diverse hammers throughout the game... Um, like, I had Power Smash and Piercing Blow. Piercing Blow was fantastic. Um, oh, 100%. And I had Quake Hammer in there. Um, but I'm not the type of person to go for, like, elemental effects or status effects in these kind of games. I just go for, like, raw damage or raw defense. And so as the game progressed, I kind of started, like, stripping away extra hammer moves and just replacing them with defense up or power ups or flower savers or that kind of stuff. Like, I had four Flower Saber badges on, two for me and two for my partners. Holy shit, the hell. No, I, and then yeah. I also had Charge, Pretty Lucky, mm. uh, Chill Out, and Close Call. Yeah, Pretty Lucky is great. 
I never, I never used charge because like if I was charging, I could just be attacking. <laughs> so I just, uh, yeah. I mean, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I just not my strategy personally. I don't know. There were some turns, and like I specifically, if I had a status effect on me that like like I was dizzy or like. I was confused, or there was smoke on the screen. Like, I would charge. That's totally fair. I can understand that. I just stopped using FP moves and just started, just went for the attack, because I just wanted raw damage output, and then healed when necessary. I mean, fair enough. But that's, you know, just kind of, again, how I do things. So let's talk more about specific badges. Which badges, which were your least favorite? Okay. We're doing top and bottom three again, by the way. Yeah. So my least favorite were... The my least favorite was the Mega Rush, mm. which is when Mario's in peril, he boosts his attack by five. Yeah, and I was like, I never get down to peril, you know. Yeah, my one of my I I have an encompassing category, what I call Danger Mario badges, which is a lot like Mega Rush or um I don't remember the name of them, but there's a lot of them that are like when Mario is in danger state, do something. Yeah. And I don't like them because that's similar to in Hollow Knight. There was that charm that's like, when you have low health, do more damage or whatever. That's not a play style that I enjoy. But Danger mm-hmm. Mario is actually a build that is one of the most OP builds in this entire game. And it would, like, if you build a Danger Mario build, you will destroy the game. Like, it won't be fun because of how overpowered you are. I think that's something where, like, I'd be interested to watch someone do that. Mm-hmm. But... Like, I would never put in the effort to do that myself. Yeah, understandable. Also, because that's probably the last thing I would think of doing. Like, if I'm actually playing a game raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. You you can become permanently in danger if you take no health ups and then go to Chet Rippo, who will exchange your, like, level ups. And you can exchange mm-hmm. a health for an FP or a BP. And so you're constantly at five health. And then so all of those, whenever Mario is in danger, badges are constantly affecting him. Mm-hmm. And then you are ju- you just have, like, 1,700 attack power and infinite defense. And, like, you know, you're just broken. Yeah, it's insane. But I don't like that play style, so. I kind of agree with you. So I put Mega Rush down there. Yeah. Which I guess you can lump with all the danger badges. I also didn't like the FP drain. Mm-hmm. It reduces your attack by one, but you regain one FP for each attack you do, and I'm just like, eh. Yeah. No. Similarly, I don't like the P up, D down, or D up, P downs, where yeah, you nope, sacrifice a power for a defense and vice versa. None of those. And then, I don't know, I didn't find double dips useful. That's fair. Um, I never used them, but I didn't dislike them. I liked the idea of them. I just never used them. For me, I didn't like double pain, because, like, but Why? Why would I you mean, want Mario to take double damage? Okay, I mean, that's just a dumb badge. To be fair, I guess it's like over-charming in Hollow Knight. It's a challenge mode. I don't know. But I, I just... That I just, seems dumb. Yeah, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Uh, But what about your favorites, though? My, okay, so my favorites, obviously, Quick Change. Obviously. I have that in that- mine as well. Quick Change is fucking fantastic and i got it way too late in the game <laughs> um uh throwing hammer okay i found i feel like that's not a badge you probably put in your top no. but i personally found that super useful yeah, totally fair specifically like it let me 
attack enemies that like I couldn't touch. Yeah. Or like other people couldn't touch. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like throwing hammer. And then I don't know, this third slot, like a most useful what I actually use was probably like the regen badges. Uh-huh. Like that just sounds so boring and safe. So I'm gonna say zap tap. Yeah, zap tap. Zap tap was actually super useful. I can totally get behind that. I didn't use it. I don't even think I found it, but like I can get behind it. I'm, I don't know if you, I'm pretty sure I found that in like the pit. Oh, okay. That would be why I didn't do the pit because I didn't have time. Uh, but yeah, I, like I said, quick change was in mind. My other two were the flower saver badges just because, oh my God, I fuck Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Flower saver. Yeah. I just, I just, I love the ability to just spam the fuck out of uh, FP moves just constantly. Um, and then my third one was, I guess, kind of safe, but multi-bounce. Multi-bounce was not bounce on a single enemy multiple times. It's bounce on all enemies in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that super useful for dealing damage to enemies in a group as Mario. Similarly, Quake Hammer. Like, multi-bounce and Quake Hammer were both great moves. Yes. Uh, and then final, high and low. What about the bosses? The bosses. The bosses. <laughs> so... My least favorite boss, even though I've been complaining about Dupless, I just, I didn't like the lead up to Dupless. It's not that I didn't like him, you know? I understand. Um, but no, my least favorite was the train one, Smog. Smau- Smorg. 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 He is also Miley's favorite. I just, uh... I, yeah, I didn't like his fight. I didn't like having to, like, you can only damage him after you defeat his tentacle and his tentacles do so much fucking damage yeah i may have had just not enough hp at the time but like i pumped all my points into badge points i think i finished the game with 57 badge points damn but like no smorg was just like on that level of just too hard i guess i don't know he was he i don't know if he was too hard but i think he was too challenging like and i know it's the same thing but like i don't know he was more difficult than he needed to be that's fair. You know? That's fair. And also, like, what are these things? I don't, like... They're smorgs. They... I think they're literally smorgs. Like, they look like fuzzies, but they're not fuzzies. They're legally distinct from fuzzies. I think they're smorgs. But why do I care about them? Because they were in the train station. Why are they in the train station? I have no idea. Honestly, Chapter 5 was just kind of a mess. Yeah, I can agree with that. Not as bad as Chapter 2, but pretty close. Yeah, those two chapters were low points, but that's okay. Who was your favorite, though? Okay, my favorite, I have a tie between the Shadow Queen and Cortez. Yo, basically same. Not tie, I put Cortez, because the Shadow Queen was my favorite thematically and story-wise, but Cortez was my favorite to fight. He was so good, and I don't know, we just said about the smorg that he was too challenging, but Cortez... Honestly, for me, it was pretty challenging, too, but, like, it... It felt fine, though. Yeah. And I really liked his phase changes, and I really liked how he had all the weapons, and, I don't know, I just really liked everything about Cortez. His weapon phase really sealed the deal for me. Yeah. And also just his... think about how to, like... Oh, yeah. And his personality as a character on top of his combat was just... No. Cortez. Chef kiss. (laughs) A chef semi kiss? Mm. No. No. It's okay. I don't want to be fish kissed. <laughs> fish kiss. Fish kiss. Uh, tell me about. Tell me more about the Shadow Queen, though. I think 
her kind of what you said thematically did do a lot for her you know yes and while her phases probably weren't as good as cortez Mm -hmm. i think this was another enemy that had good phases yeah you know yeah i can understand i'm a a sucker for a good phase fight yo join the club (laughs) phase fights are the best so tina any closing thoughts this game really blew me away hell yeah really hands down I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I put it off for so long, Joseph. I mean, it wasn't just you. I also put it off because I didn't want to squish another JRPG in there. Just like, you know, I wanted to give you some time between JRPGs because I was under the impression that you hated the entire genre. Um, and I think we learned something today. Yeah. I think we learned that it's not the genre. It's just Pokemon. It's just Pokemon. I just... Talk about pocket monsters are so cute, but the game is so, so boring. So, uh, I estimated a four and a half, because I seriously misunderrepresented how much fun you would have with this game, I believe. So, Tina, Mm -hmm. what would you rate this game out of ten? I think this game's like a seven. Dang! That is a very high score. Yeah, I think this game's a seven. Hell yeah. That's the same score you gave Shantae. Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm so happy about this. I am very genuinely happy that we actually found a JRPG you enjoy. Not that our search has been long, but like the fact that we found one means that it's possible that you may actually enjoy other JRPGs. And also I feel like... With how much I complain to you about Pokemon outside of the show, it probably is about a lot longer for you personally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, Tina, why don't you hit him up with our socials? Oh, yes. Okay. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, we have a Twitter that I run and I'm trying to do a lot better at. But it is at leveling N. So the word leveling and then the letter N, like noob. And we have a Gmail as well. It is leveling a noob at gmail.com. You can either email us or tweet at us to suggest games or, yeah, suggest games or talk to us. Give us feedback. Hell yeah. Give us feedback. Hit us up. But yeah, hit us up. Um, even if you don't do that, if you could leave a like or a comment on Anchor, that would be super helpful. Yeah. And uh, next week, next time, we're going to be doing Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Getting back into Zelda in what is probably the worst Zelda. So I'm sure Tina's excited for that. I am going to estimate a 3 out of 10. Worse than Pokemon. No, you gave Pokemon a 3 out of 10. I did? Oh, I thought it was a 3.5. I'm no, sorry. it's a 3 out of 10. Okay. Just as bad as Pokemon. Yeah. It's a bad one. <laughs> And yet, we're still playing it. Anyway, join us all in two weeks when we play Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Bye! The music used in this podcast was BitQuest by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, used under a Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.